The Green Suiters Podcast is brought to you by, well, you. If you want to learn how to support our show, head over to patreon.com forward slash Podcast. Before getting into this episode, we'd like to thank the following new patrons for pledging at the $3 tier or above. Gary Furness, Qualis Woodworks, Bob Stunts, Don Peisel, and Mike Ledon. Thank you for your support. We'd also like to extend our gratitude to Paul Soprano for leaving our very first Apple Podcast review. Thanks. Now, on to the show. Sedge. Yo. What's been new with you this week? Ah, man. Wonderful Labor Day. I actually took three days off. Where did you go anywhere? Yep. My shop. (laughs) Uh, We didn't. I was um, there, too. I know. The boys. uh, We didn't shoot any Sedge Tool video because they, uh, uh, Chris had stuff to do this weekend and we just laid low, and I said, great, I pulled out my lathe, and I had a couple of um, handles I needed to turn, like file handles and chisel handles, and I had a, quite a few blanks just kicking around that I've toted around from shop to shop, and uh, I turned some wicked cool stuff this weekend. Uh, so do you, then- do you rehandle all of your stuff? No, no, I just, uh, you know, when I'm out and about, uh, I go to like tool stores, antique tool stores, and you know, for like 50 cents, a buck, I see, oh, this is a, a really cool, like firmer, you know, um, mortising chisel, and it's a socket, so I just, uh, I turned some African blackwood for it uh, this weekend, and it just came out spectacular, um, and, and I find chisels all the time, and then I just, I rehandle them. Yeah, you know, they, because because you find them in a the box of uh, box lots sometimes, and they're like marked fifty cents or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're so worth it. You can put an edge on it in a heartbeat, and you get a really nice chisel. And sometimes I gift them. Yeah, but uh, I uh, I needed some extra file handles for some uh, some uh, rifflers and stuff like that. So I just did that, and it was fun. And then I uh, I had a, you know, Jason, you, when you were over, I, you said, hey, what's that? And it's that uh, walnut bowl I had in there. Mm-hmm. I, turned, I finished turning that walnut bowl. I know, it looked good. It. Yeah, boy, it came out wicked nice. So that was my weekend, and it was absolutely perfect. But, boy, I forgot how draining lathe turning is because you have to concentrate yeah. continuously on that. And, uh, man, I was exhausted yesterday afternoon. So that was my weekend. How about you? Ben, what'd you do? Um, took the girls, um, went to Jennifer's parents to have a condo at Virginia Beach. And so Ooh. just kind of had fun in the sun the whole weekend. And then I had class Monday, so I had to come back for that. But um, On Monday? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a private school. They don't have to follow federal holidays. So. Bunch of jerks. Whatever, whatever. But um, no, it, it was a really fun weekend. Um, I didn't have any any work or anything that I, I needed to do, so it was just just having fun, you know. And I got to f- just focus on having fun with the kiddos, and then um, and then last week I started on Jen's door. It's it's behind me right now, and so I'm um, I'm filling in the all the voids and stuff like that right now. Why is there any voids? <laughs> well, like just you know, like knots and stuff like that. That's that's I, I, I don't I don't understand. What are what are voids? 
<laughs> you know, just the natural, the natural oh, okay. voids in the wood whenever okay. you process Not mistakes. It. Got it. No, not mistakes that I made. No, not never. at all. And never. never mind that two-tone side of the of the door. That's not a strip of MDF that I had to put in a groove that no. was done on the wrong side of the style. That's all right. It'll be painted. Yeah. It's oh. fine. It's fine. It's Buddy fine. Paint, it'll make it what it ain't. Yeah. But no, just that. And uh, I started school last week, and it's going well. Oh. Cool. And I got something, Sedge. What do you think it is? Ooh. Put your clothes back on. What? Oh, you got the hive. Oh, you got one, the hive notebook. They're nice, right? Yeah, it Very says you use cool. a pen or a pencil with yours. Ah, uh, that's, um, that's a good question. I'm a, I'm, Is it? I'm a, I bear down, no, I bear down heavy. Yeah. So I use both. I've been, but when I was writing with the pencil, it was not bleeding through, but uh, the paper's kind of soft, right? Yeah. Yes. I, mean, it's, it's I knew that's where it was going. So you can't use it. Like I've been using a gel pen because that's all that I have. But um, yeah. like even stuff from like a few days ago, it bleeds. Like it, it yeah, runs. When, when I was talking to Ken, he said gel pens aren't the greatest on it no. because they don't I mean, it still works. Well. No, yep. I mean, it still works. But like I took yeah. notes yesterday and it's it's already coming off a little bit. Well, what'd you so do? Take, take notes and immediately close the dang thing? Maybe. Yeah, there's your problem. <laughs> Be patient. I use a really small pen uh, that I like with it, but also... It's a ballpoint pen, though, I'm guessing, right? Ballpoint pen, yeah. yeah. And yeah. Uh, I use a, a number nine lead uh, pen, mechanical pencil on it, but I can't yeah. bear down that hard on it. Yeah. And I'm, so you, I'm getting you used can, to it, I like it. You can't, yeah. It's, I, know, I know exactly what you guys are talking about, because the first time I wrote in it, I'm like... Man, it's almost like this thing wants to go through like nine pages. Yeah, yeah, it's really yeah. soft. Like there's some, but there's something about it I just love. Like I, I, I mean, it's I it's, like it's, I haven't had a problem with it bleeding through, but I know what you're talking smudges if it doesn't. Go yeah, out. yeah, it smudges. It's yeah, that's what it is. But um, yeah, yeah, man, like the pages are like really satisfying to go through. You know, yeah. it's like really, <laughs> it's got this really cool texture to it, and yeah. it's got it's got nice um. Like uh, conversion charts and stuff in there too, mm -hmm. which is cool. Yeah, and it doesn't. The pages don't tear. No, no, no. It, it, everything lays flat, which is cool about it. Yeah, yeah. I really like it. Yeah. I really like it. It's got this cool little elastic band to keep it closed, and then it's got a little pencil holder. Pencil. Yep. I'm thinking about getting some Bent's Woodworking branded ones. They offer that. I don't know. If, oh, don't let's know just if put them out of business, Jason. Okay. No. Let's no, just no, no, put. No. Let's just put them out of business. I would order them through him. Yep. Oh, like just like they would have. Yourself? Yeah, but they no no they would he would have my logo put on them. Um, cool. He sent me a message asking if I was interested in it because I had he did like a little poll in his stories and was like who would be interested in this and I said yes because I thought it sounded like a cool idea. Mm. Um, and I I think we talked about this on the last podcast and I I just realized that I'd never sent him a message back so I don't know if it's too late. Um, I need to send them another message though, because I'd like to get some and, and offer them to people if they want them. But um, no, they're nice. But you have to do like a 30, 30 notebook minimum or something like that. So it'd be a, oh, it's a pretty big expense up front. Yeah. <clears throat> no, it's good. I like it. It's a good recommendation. Yep, for sure. Jason, what did you do this weekend? 
Uh, before I tell you what I did this weekend, I will apologize. So obviously I'm in the house today because I don't have to be in the shop um, since Nicole and Leo are not here. But if you guys hear like <laughs> my dogs walking around or scratching at the door, like that might happen. So we'll just cut you everything the podcast entirely. Yeah, everything echoes pretty good uh, on my on my floors. It's loud when she walks. Luckily, she's laying down right now. But anyway, one of them is. Um, so Nicole and Leo left on the 26th. Um, and so my house is very quiet. Mm-hmm. And it's actually driving me a little bit nuts, if I'm being totally honest. Um, they'll be gone until the 30th, so I still got some time. But I'm falling into the typical trap that I normally do, and I feel like I'm being super unproductive when I have all of this time on my hands to do stuff. Um, I think the first couple of days I was really just kind of bummed out, you know, because they mm -hmm. were gone. But, uh, I mean, I've, I've gotten quite a bit done on the table, and then I started going down that finishing thing, which I know that we're going to talk about that as the topic tonight. So I just feel like I didn't get nearly as much done this weekend over a four-day weekend that I should have gotten done but because it's it's weird I have all the time in the world right now like every evening I can come home when I get back from work and I can be in the shop until 10 o'clock if I wanted to mm -hmm. and I find myself not doing that um, I have been leaning very heavily on content though mm -hmm. um, I was doing a video every other week but I've actually started releasing a video a week right now um, because I've had the time to film those videos and they've been doing good. Um, matter of fact, uh, I filmed a spur of the moment video on the topic that we're going to talk about tonight. I filmed that and I edited like 85% of it already today. So it's done ready for Friday. So I'm good until oh, like wow. next week. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. But so that's been nice. Um, I, I feel like I have a tendency to lean more towards getting caught up with content when I do have a lot of time um, because it's the one thing that I have the hardest time doing when I don't have a lot of time. Um, do, you, do you think that, and, and this is only something that I've been looking at recently. Um, I came across this video. Um, the guy's name is Ollie something. I can't remember. He's, he's a British guy, but he was saying how, like if, if we, if we tell ourselves, if we give ourselves, um, a certain amount of time to do something we typically take that long to do it so like he was saying how he would edit a video and he would say okay I'm gonna give myself four hours to edit this video and he would he would take that long to edit the video but it's like the amount of work that he did he probably could have done that in 30 minutes had he given himself that 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 time crunch to do it and so and I don't know if that's something that you're experiencing too. I know that, like I said, I, I was or am. And so I've, I found that um, just based off of our podcast that we did last time, you know, instead of me saying, okay, I'm going to stop the motorcycle channel, I'm going to keep doing both. I just, I really audited myself and audited what am I doing with my time, you know? And so kind of going off of what Sedge was is that you got to get organized. And so that's what I did. I, Last week I sat down and I planned out my entire school semester for all of my classes. When my when my assignments were due, when I needed to study, when I needed to write, when I needed to read, I did all that. And now I don't have to worry about when I'm supposed to do things. Right. And so, you know, like I don't know if that's something you experienced because you said that this is a trap you kind of fall into every time 
you have a lot of time. And so, so the funny thing is, is that with me, like the content side of things, I'm far more productive. The actual going out in the shop and physically doing things, I'm much less productive. Um, and that that's is? the, <clears throat> you get distracted I don't really, easily or? uh, maybe, but I don't know. I look at it with the content side of things. It's like, I kind of hold myself to a schedule for that. Um, there's always that schedule in the back of my mind, but when it comes to the build, it's not, <coughs> I'm not up against any timeline for the build. Now, granted, I want to get this table done. Mm -hmm. I, I literally, the only thing I have left to do is the finish prep and the finish. That's it. So, um, it's not, it's not like I have a ton more to do, but I do have a lot of work left to do. Um, because I want to start the bed that I want to build for Leo. Um, but it's just like, I think about it now and it's like, well, oh, I've got time. I can wait an hour. I can wait two hours or I can go do this or I can go do that. So I don't know. It's just weird. Like I said, I, I get way more productive in the content side of things. My biggest struggle right now is that I just can't wait till I retire. So I was thinking about this on the way to work today. I want to be able to put myself on a schedule and say like Monday is admin day, you know, that's what Monday, Wednesday, Friday is content shooting and editing. Tuesdays and Thursdays are building. And I have all these different strategies for when I retire. But anyway, that's to get back on, on the topic. Um, that's what I've been up to. It's, it's been nice. Um, plus, you know, I'm working, obviously. Like that yeah. changes things a lot too. And sometimes I just don't really feel like doing much when I get home. Um, but uh, Sedge taught me how to turn on yeah, Saturday, that. which was exciting. And he mentioned, he mentioned like the draining part of like being so focused. So I have never turned before. And Ben, I think you talked about this on the last pot, the tool podcast that we did. Yeah. I turned talking about you bought a lathe. You didn't get into it. Well, the reason yeah. I've always avoided doing the lathe is because I, I, I've heard of people doing it and becoming obsessed with it. And I will tell you, after doing it now, like I understand why people enjoy it so much. And it was because mm -hmm. of that, that focus and concentration that he talked yeah. about. It's, yeah. I felt so much more involved in what I was doing yeah. and, and focused, like laser focused on it. Mm -hmm. And I yeah. loved that. Cause like when you really think about it, turning is probably the most woodworking thing that you can do because you are doing, I mean, not that you're doing most <clears> of the work, but you're, you're literally sculpting wood, you know, whereas if you were to run a table saw, you're just pushing a, a piece of wood through, you know, with, right. you know, a track saw, you're just pushing a handle through. Whereas with, with turning, you're, you are literally shaping the wood like the way that you want to. Mm -hmm. And so it is, it's I, a very visceral experience to, to turn wood. It's it's instant gratification too. Yeah, like and I like the sound of it's really nice and. Oh, I turned, it's extremely messy though. I think yeah. I turned yeah. six handles in that bowl this weekend, and I'm a utility turner. I I just turn when I need to. Yeah. Like if I need a spindle on something, I'm not a, and I turned it off yesterday afternoon. I probably won't turn it on for a while now. Mm -hmm. Unless Jason comes up and he yeah. does something else, because yeah. <laughs> I'll is, come up there is, and be like, "Let's a turn a bowl." It's it's a lot of fun. It's that instant gratification. You can finish right there, mm -hmm. and 
you know, so what I do is, like, when I'm out and about and I'm picking, uh, I'll, I'll see a blank that somebody's selling or what are you going to do with that scrap piece? I just get it and throw it in the corner somewhere. And I have turning blanks all the time. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very uh, frugal that way. Like, there was this four-by-four four sitting in the corner somewhere. And someone says, yeah, I'm just throwing it away. I don't know what wood it was, but, boy, I turned a couple pieces yesterday from it, a couple handles, and it's just extraordinary wood. And I just think it's some type of oak. I can't, but it's just, it's beautiful. It's got beautiful uh, figure in it. It's just weird. So I, that, I guess that's the thing that I really dig about it is yeah. you can see it just and I was watching Jason and where he was concentrating, and you were concentrating as that piece evolved, mm -hmm. right? You were constant, and once you got used to it, you were watching that outside edge. Oh yeah, oh a hundred percent. And it's pretty cool, but you gotta have that concentration because if you don't, man, things yeah. happen quickly. You know, I was just thinking how how almost everything in woodworking is inherently dangerous, like everything. Mm -hmm. You know, like there's no, there's nothing safe about woodworking at all. It's, it's a very dangerous hobby. Yeah. It's yeah, not true. If you, if you have a saw stop, you can just take your hand and smash it. And just, oh, just, stop it. It's stop true. It. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. You know, you just said that, Ben. And I mean, our topic tonight is finishing. And mm -hmm. someone may not think that's dangerous. Yeah, it can be. And it is extremely dangerous if you don't take the right precautions for a lot of different reasons it can be dangerous yeah it is and i, I get a lot of i'm not gonna tonight i'm not gonna say any stories but i have friends who have passed away because they didn't take the precautions mm -hmm. where they even admitted it to me and they said i should have worn a respirator when i mm -hmm. was spraying because he sprayed his whole life and he passed away because of it so oh, wow. it's you gotta be very careful with finishing. Yeah. I'm about to spray. It's yep. water based though, low VOC. Yeah, okay. I'll be fine. Yeah. I'm really excited to talk about my. Uh, I can talk about it tonight on the episode because by the time that this comes out, the YouTube video will already be out. But I want to. <laughs> I want to talk about something real quick. So I just posted an Instagram clip, and it was like a little promo for the for the domino video that I did, which the feedback the on that has been fantastic. The oscillating clip? Yes. Yeah. Read every comment on there. Oh, <laughs> I didn't even think about it before I, I did mean, it. I mean, as soon as I saw it, I was like... <laughs> and then I was, <laughs> I was like, oh my I God. I don't even have to really think. Everybody and their, and their mother is making funny sexual comments about the, the, <laughs> the 70 millimeter drill bit should have done an unzipping sound effect before you started. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, really? Read, read the that's ones what, between me and my that's coffee. That's what my coffee said. Um, is it weird that I only think about you when I watch it? And Mike says, I don't see why it would be. Okay, good, just checking. I miss your scent, and then just more and man, man love. So romance. I told. <clears throat> I, I think we've I've mentioned him. I or or you um, have mentioned him or their podcast in some capacity on every episode that we've done now. So I was yeah, joking free, with them the free other day. advertising. I know, right? <laughs> we are the reason why their podcast is so great. Um, I told them 
And I told him the other day, I said, I'm just, it's like a contractual agreement now. Like I'm going to make it an effort to mention your name every single podcast. And if we wouldn't be talking about it right now, I already had it all teed up. <laughs> nice. And it has to do with the finish. Somebody so it said, actually I'm, works into the. Somebody said, I've actually arrested men for a very similar act. <laughs> yeah. yeah, as soon as I saw it, I Did you like, see the video, Sedge? No, I haven't. So no, I posted a video. Post. Yeah, it's a clip. Right. It's a clip from the video where I'm showing in slow-mo how the domino cutter actually works. I'm explaining it. And then I have a video. And I, oh, I chose... <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I could have fun with that one. It's a yep. glory hole. Oh my god. Yeah, good times. <laughs> nice comments too, huh? Hey, it's getting a lot of engagement. That's all that matters. That's all that That's matters. Se- hey man, sex sells. I'm learning that in my advertising. The sex sells. Yeah. You guys want to know about sex? Buy a domino. Oh but yeah, so that's uh, that's what I've been up to. <laughs> Well, and you've been wow. building that, that walnut table, massive walnut table. Yeah. Excuse me. That's been coming along. Um, it's been coming along really good. I love the design. It's so simple. Mm-hmm. So, so basic. No, the table's coming along really, really good. Uh, like I said, the only thing I have left to do now, I've got to, I'll re-sand everything at 180 and then hit it with 220 probably. Um and then I'll be applying the finish. I'm going to be spraying it. And I don't want to say what finish because we're going to talk about that. But, um, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm good to go. I know exactly what finish I'm going to use. Super, super excited about it. Um, but, you know, now it's just the one part that I hate. And that's all of the finish work that goes along with doing this, especially when I'm not using Rubio. Because, yeah. you know, sanding a 120 or 150 and calling it a day and then rubbing that stuff on and being good with it is is far easier than what I'm about yeah. to do. But now I've got to prep you're gonna have to do between coats. Gonna... So you said you're spraying with the water, right? Water base. Yeah. So I will do all in all, I'm going to end up spraying five coats, two coats of the sealer and three of the, but here's the deal though. The sealer, you give it an hour and you can sand it. The, the poly, you give it two hours, you can sand it and apply another coat. So mm-hmm. I, I legitimately could do, if I started first thing in the morning, I could literally get it all done in a day. Yeah, I'd spend more time sanding each coat back and cleaning it off than I would actually spraying it. Because like the base has almost nothing to it. It's so, so minimal. Um, go ahead. Question. Why would you sand bare wood above 180? You said I just... Hit 220. Why would you do that? You're just wasting money. Because time's money. I don't necessarily know. You lose penetration and you lose adhesion. Okay, so this is actually a good conversation that we're going to have based on our... I'm going to come back to that, Sedge. When we talk about the topic, I'm going to come back to that specifically. Yeah, okay. Because that falls in line with exactly what we're talking about tonight. And there's a very specific reason why I'm I'm doing that. Because I agree with you. I, I don't ever like sanding over 180. Matter of fact, I don't even think I had any 220 paper in my shop until I don't know six weeks ago and I wanted I was doing some cutting boards and I was trying I wanted to go up to like 320 and 400 and test out some different ideas that I had and I still haven't made those cutting boards yet but I bought the paper because I planned on doing them 
and I probably will in the, in the relatively near future, but um, I'm with you, but there's a very specific reason why I'm doing it. And we'll, we'll talk about that when we do the finish. So with that being said, let's introduce tonight's topic. Cool. Sedgley, take it away. Okay, so the question is, is what is your favorite finish and your favorite finishing technique? I think mm -hmm. I had thrown that out there this week, right? Like, yeah. How do you, okay, so when I say technique, uh, well, how do you apply? So, you, can I, Ben, can do, I go first? Do we want to say, like, what's your favorite penetrating finish and then your favorite surface finish? Uh, or, or do we want to just say, like, above and beyond globally, this is my absolute favorite thing because it really depends on what you're doing, right? And what the purpose uh, is. It does, but, but I think most people, once they find a finish that they really like, in most applications, they're going to stick to that. I do like the idea of doing both. What about you, Sedge? Okay, so I, when I presented this, I gave it, we, I, I think I mentioned it to you guys Friday afternoon when I get home. And mm -hmm. uh, so we can think about it over the weekend, uh, your favorite finishing. But, Jason, when you came over, we both said, hey, it all depends on what you're, what you're applying it to, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. What is your piece that you're building? Okay. Uh, ben, you're correct in saying, is, uh, I, do you want to use a penetrating oil? Do you want to use a, uh, uh, a top coat of some stuff? What's your favorite finish? And... I'll tell you right now, people are very brand specific when it comes to finishing. Oh, I absolutely. Am. Absolutely. And I analyze what I'm finishing first. Here's a for instance. When it comes to penetrating oil, okay? I love Rubio, okay? But we also, at Festool, we sell an oil called Surfix, okay? Mm -hmm. Which I have, and I still have not tried yet, and I cannot wait to. It, it's fantastic, but here's the problem. Uh, and it's not a problem, it's, it's application. People don't understand, hey, I'm gonna put it on, a, I'm gonna stain this pine piece and then I'm gonna put that penetrating <laughs> oil on top. <laughs> Absolutely not. Hashtag pine is fine. You the finish, but the, people don't understand that, so you gotta, you gotta talk people through certain finishes. Okay, so I hear you're gonna use a water base this weekend, Chase. Okay, and you're obviously yes. going to spray it, right? Yes. And, so let me... And well, let, let me go back and, to... And your technique of spraying is very important because it also is dependent on what type of spray system you're using. And that's super important. Mm -hmm. HVLP versus compressed air, blah, 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 blah. One stage versus five stage. This is such an intricate topic. Okay, so I'm not going to lead off because you guys usually have me lead off. Um, I would like to. Okay, so you're up. Good. I, I would like to because I can talk back to the last conversation we were having, right? So what I do think we should do is keep this a little more basic and not dig into the weeds of like, you know, okay, if you're using a five-stage turbine system, you know, this is what you would set versus a well, well, two-stage. 
I don't even know what any of that right. is. <laughs> so it's fine. But, <clears throat> I, I, I just don't think we should dive that deep into it. Okay. However, I do want to talk about both, you know, a penetrating and a, and a top coat. So this, the, the topic for this could not have come at a better time. And because you had mentioned that, so I'm building the walnut table. And, uh, and this is where I was going to throw in Mike Coffee. Mike Coffee, everybody. Another Woodshot podcast. Mike Coffee, Coffee Custom Builds. Um, I'm going to blurt all that out. No, so he did some stories. He did some stories a while back. And he was doing a walnut top. To, it was like an end table or, or a coffee table or something. And, but he was using Target Coatings uh, M-Tech uh, top coat. And Jeff is the guy's name who owns the company. And I, I had a very interesting conversation with him. And he makes all these water-based finishes. Um, the finish that I'm using is a conversion varnish that is water-based. And... When Mike was doing his stories, I was so impressed with how it looked because it had this nice, dark, brown, rich color, and it just looked fantastic. And so I asked him a bunch of questions. He had nothing but good things to say about it. Um, and so I reached out to, to Jeff at Target Coatings, and we had a very interesting phone conversation, and he sent me a couple of samples to try. And I told him what I was building. I told him what I wanted to do and what I was trying to achieve. I told him the system in which I was going to apply the finish and he made a recommendation for his sealer and uh, water-based conversion varnish and i'm like cool awesome send it over so my intent was is to do a, a, a test piece of each one of those well then after sedgen made the comment that he wanted to talk about the finish stuff and i was getting ready to do these these tests i'm like you know what why don't i take this opportunity because i'm like i have armor seal and i have rubio and i have uh, endurovar and I'm like, why don't I take the opportunity to actually test all of them out to see what they all looked like? And as I started to do that, I really, I was, luckily I was filming everything, but I was like, man, this is really interesting because what a massive difference there is between uh, each finish and, you know, whether you use a sanding sealer, what sanding sealer you're using, what finish, what the difference is. And that's what this video this Friday is going to be because, you know, it's not as simple as just taking a piece of walnut, putting a finish on it. You know, and maybe you're disappointed. Well, maybe you didn't know what other options were out there. And to go back to the conversation uh, on why I sent it up to 220. So I wanted the test to be exactly the same across the board with the exception of the Rubio. So Rubio, I sanded to 120 and I stopped because that's what they recommend. With them recommending that, I then looked at the cans of each one of the finishes I was applying. And every single one of them recommends that you sand to at a minimum 220. So for that reason and for the test, I sanded to 220, right? Um, and really, it's, it's literally on in this, this point is to just have the exact same thing between all of them. Same thing applied to the drying times. You know, I based my drying times off the Endurovar, which was the longest drying time of four hours. Everything else is two hours. Um, so I just threw in all these other finishes. So to answer your question, Sedge, that is why in this application I sanded okay. to 220. And I will probably also do that on the table because now I know based on my test exactly what to expect based on that. Um, maybe I won't though. So that... That's the first thing. Now, when it comes to finishes, 
if we're talking uh, a penetrating finish, it's no surprise to anybody listening to this that knows who I am. It is 100% Rubio. 100% Rubio because it's so easy to apply. Mm -hmm. The protection is really good. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, a lot of people were surprised that I didn't use Rubio on this table because they're like, well, I thought it was really, you know, it had a lot of really good protection. Well, it does, but it's still not a conversion varnish. It's still not a polyurethane. And the people I'm building this table for have three young kids. So that is why I opted to go with something a little bit more durable. So Rubio, is a, it's a simple choice for me. Um, everything about Rubio I like. Uh, how easy it is to apply, the way it smells, um, the, the time that it saves, the fact that I don't have to sand up to higher grits. Um, it tastes good. It tastes delicious, yeah. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to a top coat, I've always, I think everybody kind of goes through this natural uh, progression and evolution with finishes. And I would say that most people, you know, start out with a Minwax or a Verithane style finish simply because it is at every home store. Mm -hmm. um, and then people start meandering into a Rockler or a Woodcraft and they see things like general finishes, right? And plenty of other brands that are out there. And that's when people start to, to, to dabble a little bit. From my experience up until yesterday, uh, because I will tell you, I'm a, I am a very, very big fan of that Target Coatings water-based finish now. Um, very, very big fan. That is what I will be using on the table. But what I will say is that there's not many finishes, not many polyurethane finishes that get easier to apply than Armor Seal. Um, but the, the problem with it is is oil-based. Mm. I am a water-based guy because I don't like waiting 12 to 24 hours in between coats. Yeah. Um, but Armor Seal is very easy to apply. If I was to recommend you know, a very easily readily accessible, prior to me using this uh, M-Tech the Target Coatings product, Enduravar. The results that I got on this test from the Enduravar are absolutely phenomenal. Phenomenal. Um, it's a water-based finish that acts like a oil-based finish. And what I mean by that is it, it has some of that darkening and ambering effect, and it completely eliminates the nasty, milky effect that mm -hmm. traditional water-based finishes do on something like walnut, right? It's, it's, it's definitely more noticeable on walnut because it's dark. Um, but Enduravar was definitely a, a big favorite of mine. Armor Seal was a big favorite. The reason I've always liked General Finishes products is because they self-level very, very well. Better than any other finish um, that I used prior to that in terms of a polyurethane style. Um, but that target coatings, I, I'm excited for this video to come out and I cannot wait to spray it, uh, because that conversion varnish, typically you would spray a conversion varnish. You wouldn't, you wouldn't, uh, brush it. You would spray it. Well, I brushed it because it was a small application. I didn't want to get my sprayer ready just to spray two pieces. And I wanted to make it more accessible to everybody. So I brushed it and the results that I got brushing that stuff were absolutely incredible. Next time you come over here, Sedge, I will show you these, these five pieces of wood that I did. They are impressive. Cool. Now, is it, is it a gloss? Is it a matte? 
Like, what does the finish look like? Everything, I never go over a satin. Yeah. yeah. I, I think gloss finishes are, are gaudy, in my opinion. Um, I, I just don't like them. I've never liked them. Um, I'm a big satin guy. However, the one that I'm using from, I, I tested satin conversion varnish from uh, Target Coatings, but he sent me two samples. He sent me flat and sent me satin. The satin sheen, the most dull out of all of them was obviously the flat. Of the most dull out of all of the satin finishes were the Enduravar, then the Target Coatings satin, then the um, Verithane. The Verithane was the most glossy satin of all. Um, but the the flat, 100% all day. That's what I'm using. It looks fantastic. It's it's great. I'm super excited to use it. But yeah, I, I never go over satin. Semi gloss. So, I just think semi gloss and above is just too much. That's my personal opinion, though. But can you can you ever think of a of an instance um, where where a high gloss finish would supersede or be better than a flat finish? I think it depends on what that, you're making. Yeah, and that's so. That's what I'm asking, though. In what circumstance would you want to use a high gloss finish versus a satin or a flat? Go ahead, Sage. It depends on what the customer is paying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'm saying it's like as like a personal preference though. Because as a personal preference, I will never use it. Ever. I I am a satin. Uh, everything is satin for me because I beg for people to touch the piece I mm -hmm. built. Yeah, that that's okay. how I am. And high high gloss, I um I have seen high gloss all over the place, and there is a, a lot of commercial mm -hmm. uh, like cases. Like uh, I know a guy in Miami who builds all the, the cases for Gucci and stuff like that and all these fancy jewelry stores, and he, he uses all high gloss. But, boy, you have to be really careful with that. Yeah, high gloss is going to gonna show defects. High, and, yeah, oh, from a mile away, so... Yeah. I think high gloss is usually reserved, at least when I see people using high gloss, super, super figured woods. Mm -hmm. Really figured woods. I, have a, I, I feel like I see a lot more glossy finish when it's really figured woods. It's just not for me. It's, it's really a personal preference. I've had customers back when I was doing client work and they're like, oh yeah, I want it to be glossy and shiny. And it's like, oh, gross, yeah. you know? It's just not me. I think satin is about as high as you should ever go. Yeah. Um, you want people to admire the woodwork, mm -hmm. and not the finish. For me, that's how I am. Yeah. Well, and, and and that's what I, I think. The reason why the whole figured wood thing—that's a really good point, Sedge. Because I think the reason why you see such high gloss finishes on highly figured woods is because not only do you see that figure and it really brings it out, but you also see that that shine and that glistening of the light hitting it and everything else. It's like a, it's like an eye catching thing. It's yeah. And it's, it's almost like how, uh, TVs in like Best Buy and Walmart and target, they're set at the most brightest settings because, because it's proven that that sells, that that moves units. And so when you, you know, when you market a finishing product, you know, people want, they expect that if something is hand built or handcrafted, that it's going to be like, shiny and glistening and lacquered and like it's just going to be this vibrant you know looking piece but 
you know, like I, I use polycrylic for majority of my house projects because I need the durability of it because um, my kids just destroy everything, you know. And so once my kids are old enough and out of the house, then I'm going to start using penetrating oils because I'm not going to mistreat the furniture, you know. Right. Um, but like I hate touching something and then it feeling like plastic, which is what you get whenever you cover something with a polycrylic you're, you're you're touching plastic more or less you know and so it's just how you were saying sedge how you want the woodwork to come through you want the craft to come through not the finish and so like anytime i touch i mean pretty much any of the flat surfaces in my house i've had to use polycrylic just so that it can withstand for the next 10 years while i still have kids in the house it's like man i'm just i'm touching plastic right now you know just kind of are you talking about Ben uh, <clears throat> Minwax polycrylic, yeah. the blue yeah, that's water base? That's all I, that uh, I use. I, about uh, when that first came out, <clears throat> I'll never forget. Uh, somebody did a a comparison with a bunch of finishes, and that one it's the most durable uh, poly out there, and it does not yellow. Yeah. So it I is mean, a really that's a great that's a great finish for tabletops. It really it, it is. is. And I mean that's what my my desk that's what my desk in my room is finished with. That's what my coffee table yep. is finished with. That's what my beds are finished with because it it's a very durable finish. Um it, really it just it just doesn't <clears throat> it doesn't yield the wood very well. Like the the coffee table that I made last year or I think I finished it at the beginning of this year. Uh, I mean, it's solid walnut, and it's, uh, that's all the wood that I got from Jason. But it's like when you look at it, at least for me, and you know, I think any woodworker would probably be the same. When you see a, a solid walnut piece of furniture, and it's covered in a polycrylic, it's just like, like I, I can't even really think of an analogy. That's like, that's like taking a, a, um, a Bentley and covering it with a Pinto's body, you know? <laughs> it just it, it it robs it of its of of enjoying the the aesthetics of it in my opinion um yeah. because all you see is is a glistening piece of plastic and you know i don't know i think uh i was taught i've had several fantastic mentors <clears throat> and i've seen a lot of people speak over the years and i'm always gleaning off of finishing and i started in a finishing shop I've been very blessed with it. But Mark Adams said something to me once. He said, and I already mentioned it, you want people to touch your piece Mm -hmm. of furniture. You want them to walk up and go, oh, wow, and immediately walk up and feel the tabletop. So that's where I think, for me, finishing is vital. Yeah. And we, I could go on and on because this is one of, I, I've over the years teaching people, but also owning a shop, and this is the one thing that people are frightened of. Completely is finishing. Mm-hmm. Well, because it it reveals defects, you know. Yeah. So here's here's. So Ben, I, I just want to make sure you're finished with your what you use your favorite finish and stuff like that. Yeah, you I've, I mean, acrylic. Well, just and it's just it's purely because of the reason that Jason said. I mean, one obviously it's it's highly durable. 
Um, right. And the only the only other exception that I didn't use polyacrylic was my kitchen table. I used shellac, uh, which is that's probably the easiest thing to ever use. Like shellac is so easy to use, but it's not as durable. Like I I need to refinish my my table. It's been almost three years since I built it, maybe four years. <laughs> but um, my kids have destroyed it. It's like the finish, you know. You just used um, shellac. You didn't put anything over the top of it. Uh, I did shellac, and then I just put like a furniture paste on top of it. Yeah. And then my countertops, I did an oil-based Minwax, and it's it's held up well. Uh, it it hasn't. I mean, obviously, it's like all banged up and stuff because it's been used for the last five years. But from a finish perspective, the oil-based Minwax, it's completely durable. Mm. But but yeah, that's that's what I use primarily is at least right now is a polyacrylic, a water-based polyacrylic. Man. But I, I would love to use Rubio. It's just not readily available for me. I have to, I have to order everything. I'm so far away from, uh, the closest woodcraft is like an hour and 15, 20 minutes away. So it's, wow. Yeah. If I want to get, if I want to get my hands on Festool, if I want to pick it up, I have to drive quite a ways to get it. Wow. Yeah. Where, where is Whereas, that out of woodcraft you said? Yeah. Whereas have Lowe's you dabbled is, with general finishes at all? No, I have not. I haven't tried general finishes. Whereas, like a I Lowe's, mean, if you want something that's comparable, if yeah, if you want something that's comparable to the polyacrylic side of things, I would one hundred percent recommend you check out Endurabar. Well, like or even general finishes high performance. That's probably the closest. That that is the water based polyurethane um, from general finishes, but the the self leveling aspect of general finishes is far superior than most other finishes that I've used at least. And, and, and maybe I'll have to give it a try, but when it comes to like just finishing a project, like the Minimax polyacrylic, like it's, there's no issues with it at all. Like right, it, right. I've it used comes it many fine, times. Yeah. It levels fine. I like, I know exactly how many coats I need on projects to make them look really great. I know how to make the, the surface look, you know, really great. Um, and it, it'll probably be a video coming up is just how to finish with polyacrylic. But um, just as a woodworker, as a craftsman, I don't like it, like because it's plastic. You know, I wish that I could do everything with with a penetrating oil, and because like just how you were saying, Sedge, when I go um, into anyone's shop, if they're working on anything, like the very first thing that I'm doing is I'm touching it. You know, I'm touching that yep. furniture, I'm touching that yep. that plank of wood. Um, there's a really everything? bespoke. You touch oh, my plank of wood. Oh, I stroked you it. I stroked the wood. He dropped bespoke. He dropped it. <laughs> he dropped it. But there's there, how, there's a, a really um, a really great furniture store that's about an hour away. It, it used to be on one of my motorcycle routes, but like they Target? have no no it's it's a it's a it's a it is a chain in Virginia, but um it's but it's all hand anymore. it's all yeah, handcrafted it's all handcrafted furniture. But it is it is incredible work, like some of the best craftsmanship that I've ever seen. And when I go into that store, like for one, it just it um, it inspires me to build things. I appreciate of... that. What? I sell all my pieces there. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> but anyways, but but I'm always touching all the pieces, and you know, again, just to kind of reinforce what Sedge was saying about you know it. A good piece of furniture should draw you to do that, and that's exactly what I do. And mm -hmm. 
but yes, Sedge, to answer your question, that, that finishes my, my points. So back to you. Cool. cool. Boy, you guys got some great points that you made there. Here comes the big butt. Some great points you got there, but let me school you young bucks on something. But back in my day when Jesus was my apprentice. Oh, my goodness. It's really cool, Ben. You mentioned shellac Mm -hmm. because that is the only um, finish that you can use both with water-based and um, uh, solvent-based. Literally everything, except it, it is It is one of the most amazing finishes. I use shellac. Uh, I go and buy the, um, the Zinza Bullseye. I only use it for one application. I buy their seal coat, and then I cut it 50-50. Mm-hmm. And if I'm building something out of pine, uh, I do a wash coat. It's my seal coat. I do a wash coat with that, and then I sand it out with 180 and I eliminate virtually almost all the blotchiness in pine. Mm-hmm. And I got that tip out of my favorite book, or one of my favorite books is Understanding Wood Finish by Bob Flexner. And the biggest thing out of that book was uh, oil and water don't mix. So if <laughs> you're don't. in a water, if you're in a water-based system, you seal with a water base. So, yeah, you yeah. don't mix and match because that is where the problems happen. And I work with now it comes uh, in a problem with bonding. Yep, exactly adhesion point. And I work with a lot of paint companies uh, at my day job, and I don't want to tell you a paint's a paint's a paint's a paint. They're all got different builds in their paints, but when they have a failure, guess what it is? The an improperly prepped surface. Yep. Okay, so I think in finishing, the prepping of the surface is just as important as the finish you use. So yeah. I'll get to my point right now. The top two finishes I use are Rubes, Rubio, because for a penetrating oil, I just started using it a couple years ago, uh, and I love it. Um, I've used the, I, the other penetrating oil I'll tell you I really like is the, uh, is the Surfix system. I really like it. But I like Rubio. And uh, on a personal note, for my home stuff. Now, when it comes to finish, (laughs) I am a solvent-based son of a gun. And I spray nothing but ML Campbell Magna Max. I used to do Magna Lac, but now I spray Magna Max. And here's why I'm saying this is what I sprayed in my cabinet shop in Fort Lauderdale. And there's a reason to this. It's, It's, and I've seen this with tool brands and sandpaper brands and finish brands. Once somebody gets, oh, and hardware, okay? So once you get into a hardware company, okay? Like I'm a Bloom guy. I know a lot about the Bloom catalog. I'm not gonna go buy Celiche. I'm not gonna go buy grass. I am set into Bloom. Like I am set into ML Campbell because ML Campbell taught me how to spray properly. They, they had a great training, okay? Any problems I had with a the finish, they were there at Hardware Specialties in Boca. Just fantastic customer service, but boy, I sprayed all their stains, I spray, and I spray Magnum, and it's, a, it's simple, it's, it's nitrocellulose lacquer, and you can't mess it up. 
okay? It's just so easy to spray, it's ridiculous. And I do spray most of my stuff. Even if I only have like a couple of doors, I'm just so used to spraying, I'll just throw it in there. Because clean, it's easy once you understand the whole process of it. If I get two what doors to spray, uh, now that's a, I use a uh, Graco five stage. It looks like it's in a big toolbox and a couple of guns I use, one's for paint and one's for uh, top coat, clear, clear or paint. And then up behind me, I just started using. Yeah, I was going to say, I see that. Yep. It's the Erlex. They got, it's a great gun. Um, I've had that kicking around and I just started using it. It's a single, a two-stage. Uh, Jason uh, or Ben, you both know the company Apollo. I have, Apollo I have a five-stage Apollo. Okay. I, I think uh, it's yeah. I used to shoot with their original HVLP. It looked like it, it was it was cylindrical and it looked like an upside-down top hat. They're the folks who invented HVLP out of California. And my mentor, Ralph Jackson, I used to spray with that Apollo sprayer. By the way, that was the only HVLP system out there in the beginning. And I used to spray with that. He taught me how to use that. This kind of reminds me of it, this Erlex, and it gets me by in my home shop. But when like, I'm spraying for work and stuff, and I do quite a bit of spraying for work, I'll bring home that system. It's a five-stage Graco. I love it. But I'm looking to get a new system, a five-stage, because a five-stage will atomize the, um, uh, the thicker um, or uh, more viscous material. So that's, that's the whole thing. That's why you go with a five-stage, because it breaks down or atomizes the thicker liquids with the right um, tip. And yes, I, I'm trying to do something this fall on Sedge Tool to step through different uh, spray techniques. Because once you understand how to spray, it's, the sprayers are all great, whether it's a Fuji, Apollo, Graco, all of them are great. It's also the technique of spraying, and, more, and, and it's more so that way. Over the years, I've sprayed with uh, uh, $20 guns and gotten great finishes because mm -hmm. I, I was taught how to spray. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Well, and that, and if you're like a master of spraying, do you want to come spray this table for me? Well, the <laughs> thing that people avoid. I'm being serious. It, it, I, no, no, no. But it's so, <laughs> it's there's techniques to it, and you just have to do that over time. You just it's learned over time. You just gotta get into it. It is wicked easy once you understand the basics to it. And but people don't. I think the. The number one thing about spraying is your pattern of spraying so you don't get fat lips and you don't get uh, um, uh, poor overlap. Mm -hmm. So there's just so much technique to it of spraying. But, yeah, I would say ML Campbell, my two top finishes are ML Campbell and Rubio. And you know what's really funny? <laughs> I used to have the Sherwin-Williams rep come into my shop and go, no, I'm all set. I don't need any more finish. I'm set with M.L. Campbell. And they would go, okay, and they would leave. <laughs> Guess who owns M.L. Campbell? Sherman Williams. Williams. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. It's just so damn funny. It's ridiculous. They own so, everybody. So, Sedge, so what, like, because, I mean, you have a lot of, I mean, your entire basement, you you did all the trim work and, mm -hmm. and all the built-ins and stuff. Um, I guess what... 
when do you penetrate and when do you top coat? Oh, hey, oh. Mm, cool. Um, uh, whoo, that's a good one. If it's because obviously you, you no, would no, no. you wouldn't, if if, you wouldn't if penetrate a cabinet, right? No, no, no. You could, but uh, and I've been told you could, and I just will always spray cabinetry. I guess I'm looking for not that the ruby uh, the penetrating is not a durable because I've done big but, conference tables with penetrating oil. Um, but just from an efficiency so, standpoint, I, I, it could be. But when I remember, I said I want people to walk up and touch the work. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't know if I want to walk up and touch the cabinets, but I, boy, I did. Do I want them to? Uh, if I'm sitting at a conference table, and that surfix system I use on the conference tables, I think you guys have seen them at Festool. Those are American Sycamore with walnut bases, and I finished all of those with that surfix system from Festool. I am blown away at the durability of it because those are used really? all the time. Blown away. So I just, I guess what it is, Ben, to answer your question, cabinetry, I'm spraying pieces of furniture. I'm usually using a penetrating oil. Um, I know a guy who used our heavy-duty oil on a floor. He has cherry hardwood floors, and he used it on there, and it works fantastic. Um, I know You know, Rubio is originally designed for hardwood floors. It's Rubio's oh, an incredible finish. Absolutely. Incredible. Um, I have that Surfix, and I, I bought it with uh, hopes of using it on a project. And <laughs> it's funny because I completely forgot that I even had it until about two weeks ago. And I'm like, man, I gotta find something to use this on because I want to. I want to do the whole system and, and see how it looks. It's a great application system. I use pretty much the heavy duty oil all the time. So, um, so what's what's? I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Sedge. No, I'm cool. Go ahead. What is the difference? Because you've used both. What is the difference with the Surface <clears throat> and the Rubio? Like, if if I'm if I'm gonna pick one, right? Because I can only pick yep. one for whatever reason budget or you know whatever why would i pick one over the other or in what circumstances would one be better and, and like i mean you know i'm saying i'm asking this as you know someone that works for the company that makes one of them you know but mm -hmm. can i can i answer that sedge and you tell me you you key in on whether or not i'm right okay go ahead i would say in in that the way you just posed that question ben the Surfix is a really great system for finish in the event you already have some of the tools that make the finishing process easier. Okay. Am I, am I right on that, Sedge? Because if I understand correctly, like having a Rotex is kind of key in using the Surfix or something similar to it. You, you can use a random orbit sander. Okay. Because I was going to say, because I know it, like the but, whole, it comes the whole as a whole set, like pads and everything. It's a, it's a great system. Rubio's one coat, and hence mono coat. Yeah. Surfix is two. Two. Yeah. So you have a penetrator and then a hardener. Yep. And by the way, I pretty much. No, no, no. Uh, the Ru Rubio's got the the hardener in there. It's a two part. 
Uh, Surfix is the one part with the application system and the buffing system and e it's very easy to use. Um, I like the Rubio. I like both. <laughs> okay, I've used Which both. Which one smells um, better then? I think the Rubio smells better. Rubio smells great. Yeah, Why are you eating it, way, Sedge? That explains I, a lot. I have no affiliate. I have no affiliation with Rubio. They're friends of ours. Uh, with that being said, the sponsor I, I of today's video is Rubio Monaco. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so uh, yeah, I, I I like using lacquer, the solvent-based. I stay away from poly. Uh, I think poly feels a little plasticky. Yeah, uh, like you like said, it. Ben. Uh, but, but it's boy, easy. I like, the I like the durability for uh, tops. Yeah. In, in my... So let's let's uh, pivot this and talk about another topic when it comes to finishing. And I, I think this is important and the, the listeners will probably get a lot out of it. I think one of the biggest um, mistakes that people make when it comes to finishing is they overfinish. And... <laughs> Let's talk about that for a minute. And the reason, the reason I say that is because this goes back to, <clears throat> I was that person too at one point. Um, I would never look at the can, you know, see what they recommend and be like, nope, I need another coat. Nope, I need another coat. Nope, I need another coat. And this also goes in line with chasing that perfection, which is another mm -hmm. episode that we had where we talked about it. Which is why you where, stay away from gloss. Yeah, which is, you know, their sixth coat and there's still little imperfections and they're like, oh, I got to sand it back again and put another coat on. Well, mm -hmm. no, you don't. Right. So yeah. um, I think I think over finishing um, is a big problem. And what this test showed me and I, and I have a lot of experience. I don't have a ton of experience like because I've only been woodworking for what six years now. But mm -hmm. I have a lot of experience using polyurethanes. And I've screwed a lot of them up and I've done a lot of um, ones nice, but doing that test the way that I just did it, you know, this weekend is different than I would have ever approached something like that before. And what I will tell you is the look of plastic is highly dictated off of how many coats you're putting on, what finish you're putting on, the, the surface prep that you took, that you did prior to it, how thick of coats you're putting on, because I'll tell you right now, you know, after looking at, you know, I'm looking at a table right here that, that I have all my stuff set up on and we bought this table. This is our little breakfast room table, the, the oak one. It's clearly got a polyurethane or something on it. And I don't look at this and go like, oh, I think this looks plastic. You can tell there's a finish on it. Yeah. But you're going to get that with any finish you use unless you're using a penetrating oil. Yeah. Um, there's if it's if it's a form filming a a film huh, film forming finish, it is always going to look like that. Yeah. Right. Because yeah, you are putting something on top of the surface. Yeah. As opposed to penetrating a finish. So like and Rubio, hard, yeah. Rubio makes the wood look natural. But doing this test that I just did, there's only one of the finishes out of the five tests that I. I wouldn't want to put on my table because of that. And that was the, the Verithane. And it wasn't because the Verithane with uh, shellac underneath it actually looked okay. 
it actually looked pretty good. It, it took the milkiness right out of it. But a, but an issue in walnut specifically, and I have the most experience with walnut, obviously, because that's the wood that I like using. The more coats you put on of a water-based polyurethane, especially something like General Finishes High Performance, Polycrylic, Verithane, where you open up the can and it's stark white. Um, the more coats you put on, the more milkiness that finish is going to have. And I, I, did a, I did a coat rack uh, out of Walnut one time and I used General Finishes High Performance. And I remember after that, it was for a client. They loved it. But I remember looking at it afterwards and I'm like, this doesn't even look like walnut anymore. It, lo it yeah. looks fake. It looks plastic. Yeah, it looks like vinyl. Of this finish, right? But I didn't do any, you know, uh, any sort of any sort of seal coat to really bring out that grain, which makes a huge difference. And, and I, I'm telling you, when this video comes out, it's very obvious. Like, it is a drastic difference. Um, but I think something that that adds to that is that people have this urge, like. I need more protection. I need to do a fourth and a fifth yeah. and a sixth. And a, if if the can says they recommend three coats, do three coats. Period. Yeah. You don't need to do more. If it if it says do two coats, do two coats. You don't need to do more. If Rubio says do one, well, you know, and, and I do, and I think that that's one. where that's where people's uh, where their inexperience kind of gets the best of them, and like the the biggest headaches happen when. Um, when the gap widens between expectations and experience, like, you know, like how you're saying, Jason, like, Oh, I need more protection. I need to add more coats. Like that's an experience talking because they have this expectation because they have seen, you know, some glossy, highly glossied table in a store somewhere. And they think in their minds, that's what woodworking needs to be, which is this high gloss finish. And so they just, again, they start chasing this perfection because they have this expectation of what it's supposed to be versus what it, what it really should be or what it really should look like, you know? Yeah. So, Sedge. Go ahead, like Sedge, because you, were... you look like you were about ready to have a heart attack there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. You know how sometimes we want to keep this <clears throat> PG rated <laughs> when you guys are talking about Everybody's looking for extra protection. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it depends on how many coats you put on. So I'll oh leave it God. at that. I was dying. You gotta get your mind out of the gutter. You dirty mind. Oh, gutter, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you old guys. Silly old man. I just, um, I mean, I, it's funny because I, like, this is something we haven't hit on. And... I truly believe that that's like one of the biggest problems because uh, think of it like this. And we've all been there, right? Everybody has been there. You put on the second coat. Ah, oh, there's still, it's still screwed up. It doesn't look all that great. Okay. I'm going to do a third coat. And you're like, ah, oh, I screwed this up. Oh, I got to sand it back and do that fourth coat. And the more coats you put on, the worse it looks. Uh, and it, putting more coats on doesn't solve the problem. It changes things drastically in another yeah. direction. And, yeah. and you want to talk about overdoing. It's just like my business partner one time, I, I hate, I hate wasting time, but my business partner I was in, he was spraying one night and I looked at him, I go, what are you spraying the side of the cabinet for? He goes, what do you mean? He goes, I want to protect all in the backs. He was spraying the backs and stuff like that. I was going, Mikey, what are you doing? That's a waste of time. We're going to be banging another cabinet up against that. People overdo. You don't have to finish all the sides. It's plywood. You know, right. go, go, 
people, there's so many myths about finishing. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It really now, is. Now, I'm glad you brought that up because recently I've actually gotten quite a few questions just out of the blue. And people were asking me, uh, you know, I'm doing a, a butcher block island top or I'm doing a dining room table. Do I need to finish the bottom? And I'm like, yes, you do. Are you using hardwood? Yes. I, I always have felt like if you're going to finish a project, cabinets, I agree with you 100%. It is absolutely ridiculous and a waste of time to do the sides because guess what? The wood's not going anywhere, right? Yeah. It's not that, – that cabinet's not going to move. The, that plywood is not going to – it's not going to change whether or not you put finish all over the outside of that cabinet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. With a table, like a tabletop, I absolutely think you should seal the entire thing because – yeah, you're going to protect the top, but sealing the wood also has some other hardwoods, right? Sealing the woods also has some other benefits and characteristics to it. The composition of, you know, a hardwood top is completely different than plywood. Um, so I think it's important to, to, you know, finish both sides. But it was funny because one of the people that asked me, they were, th and, and this brought up a really good point. They were going to use Rubio. They wanted to use Ruby and they're like, hey, do I need to finish the bottom? And I'm like, a common practice that I do, if I'm using, if I'm building something out of hardwoods, I'm going to seal it completely. I'm going to apply the finish everywhere, right? Maybe I don't do as many coats on the bottom as I do the top, but I will seal it. Uh, maybe I do two coats on the bottom or one coat on the bottom and, and two or three coats on the top, whatever the case is. Because the top's going to get the wear, but I want to make sure that it's sealed. He asked about Rubio. And my initial reaction was, yes, I would still finish, you know, the entire thing. I would seal it. But Rubio is a little bit different because think about the, the way that Rubio was originally intended to be, cre uh, to be used mm -hmm. on top of hardwood floors. Yep. And you don't do the bottom of it. They're not doing the bottom of it. And that bottom of it is sitting on top of a, you know, of a, uh, a moisture barrier or something like that. But there's no finish on the bottom of it. So that was an instance where I'm like, hmm. Okay, well, I don't can, know. Can you go into why you would seal the bottom of a hardwood tabletop? I mean, why wouldn't you? Well, okay. If the so whole thing is sealed, you're going to control the amount of moisture that is coming in and exfilling from that yeah, table, but, which might limit the amount of movement that it, you're, it's always going to move. I want to make that clear. I'm not saying well, that if you seal a table, you're reducing. It's not gonna you're move. reducing. Movement. You're reducing it. You're balancing out that table and but stopping it from having that. With the, I mean, I guess it's you know depending on what what wood it is and how straight the grain is and you know how it's cut. If it's you know flat sawn, quarter sawn, riff sawn, right. um, you know the the most of that exchange is going to happen at the end grain, not on the face or the or the edge grain, and. The the only reason why me and me personally, and this is why I'm I'm opining it from y'all, is um, the only reason why I would seal the underside with just one coat would be just so that there's a little bit of uniformity coloring, so that way if somebody ever looked underneath, that it wouldn't just look completely different won't. than the top. But yeah, so you know, like. Like the hardwood, uh, the, the white oak table that I have as my kitchen table right now, I didn't seal the underside. I sealed the top side and the, and the, the 
um, the edges, and it's I mean it's done with a breadboard, but I've had that table for almost five years now, and it is not moved at all. Like the breadboards and the um, the boards themselves, there they have been even the entire time. There's never been a gap. Whether it's summer, winter, it doesn't matter. I think I made it in the winter. Like that breadboard has never stuck out less or shrunk in more than the the horizontal beams or the horizontal planks. Um, now that's just one table. Um, the coffee table that I made uh, at the beginning of this year or that I finished at the beginning of this year, I didn't seal the. Oh, I think I did seal the underside just with just one coat. So, you know how necessary is it? Because you're talking Rubio, you know. That's a pretty expensive product compared to a polycrylic. No, it's you not. know, what's that? It's not. A lot of people have that misconception, but like when you really break it down to how much Rubio you're using versus polycrylic, it's actually less. It, it may be the same, if not less. Oh, okay. Well, but because it's but, one coat versus three of polycrylic, it, that's a whole other conversation. But yeah, go. But, I, I know what you're saying. I, I yeah, I, I get what you're saying too, and it, it does make sense. It's just from the get go, you know, you see little can costing this much whereas you look at a polycrylic where it's this right. big yeah but I, I get what you're saying well um, let, let me i want to hear sedge's thoughts on this because i know where you're going ben and you've said your part i've said mine based on my my thought process and i would love because i'll tell you right now if sedge ends up saying some stuff like you're wasting your time <laughs> i might change the way that i do things from now on but yeah. sedge you used to do carpentry with jesus so what did you guys <laughs> oh do God. You guys make me laugh. <laughs> um, Jason, I was in your um, in your corner about finishing all sides because of, um, um, as I call it, potato chipping, right? Then I read an article that made a lot of sense. I'm trying to, as you guys were going through this, <clears throat> and this person called it a myth about finishing all sides of a tabletop. And he said, go look at colonial furniture that has been around for a couple hundred years here in the U.S. Or even go over to uh, England and look at some of the furniture. They didn't finish the underside. I mean, I could just come over to your house and look at some of that. Stop it. So I, I, won't, I won't coach people on... How to whether to finish undersides of of pieces of furniture? I go whatever makes you feel comfortable, and that's how I always tell people that. Um, I'm building. I have this slab I'm looking at across the shop that I'll be finishing, but I'm going to coat uh, top and bottom because I'm in your corner on this, Ben. Uh, it'll be one coat on the bottom, uh, and well, actually, it'll all be Rubio, but it's for coloration. It's, so it's for uh, aesthetics so not, purely, not for function. Not not wood movement. I've I've finished. Let me let me make it clear. I do not finish the bottom the same way that I finish the top. But I will put a finish on the bottom. So maybe I'm more on the side of Ben. My the way I'm looking at it is just different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because like, like if I put three coats of polyurethane on the top of a table, I'm not putting three on the bottom. Ever. No, no, certainly not, and and that's and, and that's where I'm agreeing with you, especially if it's like a client build. Like I'm going to do the underside because what if somebody drops a 
a sock or something, they're looking like, holy crap, like they didn't even do the bottom side because mm-hmm. I would expect a traditional customer would be like, well, that's not finished. You know, so I think it's important to... And they're always right. Yeah, And I'm not going to I'm not gonna finish the top of the cabinet either. Yeah. No. Well... Cabinets is a different story. Yeah. Cabinets is a different story. Plywood is a different story, right? You're not going to get that movement out of plywood. Like a... A plywood box is a plywood box. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. The visible parts, because if if you were gonna talk, if you were gonna say that, like I'm with you, uh, Sedge, 100 percent on this. Like if I would never finish the sides of cabinets if they were not going to be visible. Matter of fact, I would just buy pre-finished plywood. A perfect example of that: single-sided pre-finished plywood. Exactly. The single side that's pre-finished is going to go on the interior of the cabinet. Mm-hmm. They don't expect yeah. you to finish the outside. Because the, the plywood's not going to move, right? Yeah. Um, so now I'm with you. Like, don't waste your time finishing that entire box. It's like, you know, my favorite style of, of cabinetry construction is, you know, brad nails or now, now narrow crown staples now that I have the narrow mm-hmm. crown stapler and screws. Yep. And I'm not filling those holes unless it's, abs- unless it's visible. Mm-hmm. So why even worry about the stuff on the side? So no, I agree with you on that. But that... I just looked at the you know a hardwood top as being a little bit different. Wait, um, you're but saying no, Jason, I definitely that you're not going to domino all of your cabinet carcasses? Absolutely not. Hell no. I'm just joking. No, the only reason I would put dominoes in a cabinet is to make the assembly process faster. Aha, that's the way I do it. That's it. That's the only reason. Yep. I still would not glue them. I still wouldn't do anything. I would just no. Hey, I, guess, it, uh, I, I can pop it together real quick. Bing, <coughs> bing, screw, screw, done. Bing, bing, screw, screw. Mm-hmm. Bing, bing, screw, screw. That's a technical term for uh, for us in the biz. Sounds like an, <laughs> ad, sounds like an adult an adult film title. Really and look, I know that I told you guys this in the text, but I really appreciated the conversation we had in the last podcast. Like, I have oh, felt sure. so much better, especially, you know, the advice that Sedge gave, because we all know that Jason gives pretty shitty advice. But, um, <laughs> like... Like well, I that, told Sedge everything to say. That that following week, I like I said, I, I sat down and I, I scheduled everything out. Cried I everything out. I feel much better. Cried while putting on lipstick. <laughs> <laughs> what what movie is that? Oh man, you guys are brutal. Yeah. <laughs> Happy Gilmore does it where Steve Buscemi. Yeah. Does it. <laughs> <laughs> he like puts it on and leans back. <laughs> He takes his name off the people on where to kill list. Yep. <laughs> yep, that was you. I was, I, I, was, the list. I was telling Jen this today. Um, this door that I'm making for her, and I don't know if it's because I'm making it for her or if it's just because this door is, like, infinitely better than the first door I've ever made. So this is the second door I've ever made, like, full, full frame door, not, like, a vanity door. And... Um, like I'm actually looking forward to seeing it finished, and that's that's a first for me for any project I've ever done. Like I've always enjoyed the process of making things and going through all the steps to to take raw materials and then process them, and then. But like like my coffee table that I have upstairs, like once it was done, I was like, okay, I don't care. Like I I didn't like sit back and like look at it and be like, man, I made that. But this door, I'm like, man, I really want to see this thing finished. Like I'm excited yeah. about 
seeing what this thing looks like is going to look like whenever it's finished. And I don't well, know because you're making it for a purpose. Like, you know, like the end result and why you're doing it. So it has meaning behind it as yeah, opposed to your coffee the, table. Maybe you just made your coffee table because you're like, yeah, I need a coffee table. Well, it's like I got all this free wood <clears> and now I have to make something because Jason keeps asking me like, hey, where are you going to build my wood? No. <laughs> no, but like that's that's like out of all the woodworking that I've done over the last few years, um, this is like one of the very first things where it's like, and I can't wait to see this thing when it's finished. But I don't know. You may be right. The purpose is is much different. Yeah, I mean, it's not. I. So I, I guess I can kind of relate to this with the, we talked about this on the podcast, actually, when I did the vanity and I said that it's very, I'm like you, Ben, it's very rare that I step back and like, you know, really appreciate what I made. And there's yeah. been two projects that I've made in this house that I really looked at was like, wow, you know, and it was the wine credenza mm -hmm. and it was the vanity, but the vanity, especially because it's like, we are completely redoing our bathroom. And like I yeah. made this vanity and I put this here. Like, look at this. This looks fantastic. Like it's it's those I think it's projects like that where there's something, there's a meaning behind it. And for you, you know, it's it's for Jen. And like mm -hmm. you obviously want to do something to make her happy and, and make her feel good. And that's I think that's probably why that and you really haven't been building anything. No. So that might be have something on top of it. True, it's like you're back in the shop, you're excited, mm -hmm. you're getting to see it. So, I mean, yeah, like, like I'm not making something just for a piece of content or just to like try a new technique or something, you know. I'm gonna have her FaceTime me when you install it so I can identify all the deficiencies <laughs> you, and mistakes. You, you know, it's gonna be very appreciated. Oh, 100%. You know? And she's, so, she's she'll probably be like, times. I should have hired somebody. You're like gone, next time, next time, do you think we could have Jason or Sedge do this? That would be cool. How did you get that back from Indiana on your motorcycle, babe? Why are you Why are you looking up shipping rates from Indiana? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna tell her. Hey, you know what I'm gonna tell her? I'm gonna tell her like, hey, look on the side of it and see if you can tell where the where the film <laughs> where the is. MDF strip is. Be like, hey, what's up with this right here? I didn't I didn't sign on for this. I didn't. This isn't what I paid for. No, man, it's going to be great. And the funny thing is, like, that's such a simple, and I'm not saying this like, no, not at an all, ass, an asshole, but like, it's such a simple thing, right? But making that and like having it all come together, and then painting it and like seeing it in its place, makes all the difference in the world. Yeah, and I mean, and it 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 really is simple, um, the design of it and stuff. And I mean, I, I built it in CAD just to make sure that the the proportions were were good and and pleasing and stuff, but. Um, you know, I think it that it's sometimes as woodworkers we we get caught up in that complexity. Um, we think that admiration is in complexity when it's really the opposite. It's like admiration comes in from the simplicity of things because you know it, it always seems like everything around us is chaotic, and when we're able to come in our shops and make something so very simple. But it's done in like it, it's it's just well built, and I think that's probably why I really enjoy this door that's behind me. Is it is a very simple build. It's just a five panel door, with rails and styles. But you know, I took it from raw materials, 
Uh, I went with poplar, by the way, um, mainly because it was like half the cost of hard maple. But um, it like, and you know, I I don't want to to shove branding down people's throats, but like, there's a reason why I have a bunch of white and green sustainers behind me. Like, there's no way that I that I could have made this door in the way that I made it um, without Festool. Like, without the, the precision of it and stuff. And, you know, like people say that, that Festool is like premium tools and premium line and premium price. Well, it's like, well, guess what? It gives you premium results. And it has been so easy to make this door. It really has been easy. And granted, I have experience that's coming behind it. You know, you know, I, I've been been a woodworker for five or six years now, but like because of how easy it has been to make it and how easy it has been for the tools that I have, like it it makes the process so much more enjoyable for me. Um, and plus, you know, wow. it being a simple design and stuff. But man, like it it really was like I I, I want to make more doors for my house now. Because just because of this one particular build, you um, do it. what? What? Balls. No, like I, whenever I, <laughs> whenever I can even start renovating this basement that's behind me, because eventually this will be my living space. Um, like I, I need some pocket doors. I need ooh, what? When you're ready to do that, me and Sedge should make a road trip. Yeah, we and we come some, out there, and we'll we like some hang some drywall. Action. We need some plain yeah. action and going on. No, seriously, that I, would be yeah. so I've already much had that fun. thought in my head. I've already had that thought in my head. Man. Sedge, wouldn't that be awesome? I love pocket uh, pool. I mean doors. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, like Ben, when you're no, ready I, to I, do I didn't that, think of that because primarily that would be I really a, that would be a really mudding. fun trip, Sedge. I really suck at mudding, and so. I just need you guys to come in. That's right. So does Sedge. He also sucks at doing textured ceilings. <laughs> um, I'm horrible at drywall completely. <laughs> no, you're not. No, it'd be fun. No, no it seriously, it, it really would be. That would be an awesome. Yeah, we'll man. Come it, up for like no, a four day trip. And I, I do want to do that. I, I do want, whenever it comes time for me to drywall everything, I want you guys to come and, okay. and help me out. No, we do some framing, to build some walls. Yeah, and, and Jason, you can hang all the all the uh, drywall on the ceiling too. Uh, I hate drywall, but I will do it for Ben. <laughs> I really do hate it. I hate it, but Why? I will do it for you. It's messy. I just hate drywall. It's the worst thing ever. It's an art, dude. It's a low ceiling. Yeah, it's, it's you know what you know what the art is. Paying somebody else to do it that knows what yeah. tech they're doing. Now you're well, talking. my original plan was just to hang everything myself and then pay somebody to mud it for me because, like I said, I suck at mud. I did, I did the you opposite. That. I had, I had eighty sheets hung in my basement, uh, five by ten, and uh, the ceiling I did, I uh, had thirty sheets. They did, they hung eighty sheets. They brought it down in the basement on a Friday night, and they hung all the sheets in four and a half hours, and then took away Whoa. all the dunnage too. Yeah. So incredible job, and then I went and did all the finishing. I uh, ta I, mu I tape mudded, sanded, textured, 
I actually like doing that part of it. So the guy that did my garage, it was the opposite experience in, well, kind of. He, would, he did the hanging and the finish work and he, the finish work was not great at all. Um, I had a very bad experience with the entire thing. But I'll tell you what, when him and his buddy came out to hang that stuff, I watched them and I'm like, holy cow, like how fast they were. Mm-hmm. I was just like, this is incredible. But yeah. Yeah. we're getting off on a, on a weird tangent here, Ben. Well, I mean, we've already covered the main topic, I think. Yeah, but we got to do the world hates Jason. Oh, Jason, nobody, nobody gives it. They do. They love it. And I've got some good ones tonight. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've actually had a lot of really positive. Like, I, I had to look. I had to go back like two weeks to get some, some comments ready. And I have a few. Okay. Well, are we ready? So I can do the... Everyone hates Jason. All right. Okay. Are you ready for the first one? I'm yes. ready. You know, I, I thought about <clears throat> leaving a hateful comment, but I figured it would have been this. You because I made, I, a comment, nice, I made a comment, I made a comment on your video yeah. yesterday. I'll respond to it tonight. You didn't respond to it at all. So it's because I do what? it like every few days now. Ben, you know oh. what? When you get to my level, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, here we You can't go. be doing it every day. You gotta carve time out every few days. I'm gonna Trevor, I'm kind of, Trevor. Hang on, Trevor's my yeah, assistant. Uh, Trevor, uh, <laughs> YouTube comments for me. I'm kind of a big deal. People know me. Oh, my God. Um, Where's my mocha? Trevor! <laughs> I said I wanted it now! Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, why are we not doing this every week? That's why I just don't understand. Why are you right. crying, Trevor? <laughs> it's a bitch, Trevor. <laughs> this is the... This is the first one. The first one is on my uh, shop tour video. Oh. Wait, which one? The the old the Georgia shop? Twenty twenty shop tour. I have okay. a twenty twenty one shop tour. At, uh, I'm going to be putting that out at the end of December to close out the year. But this one, I, I I'm not I, obviously I'm not going to read the name, but it's it's like a Russian or somebody. Weird Boris. letters. I don't really understand. Boris. Say his name. It's yeah. okay. Boris. It's Russian or something. I don't know. Helmut. It's a, it's a short comment. It says, It's not a workshop. It's a demo shop. <laughs> so I would assume he's saying that I don't do any woodworking in here in this uh, demo shop. The next one is from my How to Make Drawers video. Wow. And then, unfortunately, I don't have the context as to exactly what he was commenting on. But I have a feeling he was being an a-hole. And that was, the comment was, who doesn't have one of these? Hashtag clueless. Hashtag out of touch. Really? I don't know what he was talking about. What was, what was the video? What was it? It was how to make drawers. And I, I just showed a simple, you know, the simple box method. Only I used a domino in the video. But I clearly stated, but of course, you know, it's who's probably talking about, you know, he doesn't have a domino. Here's a good one. <laughs> Said you're going to like this. So five woodworking joints for beginners. I actually have four comments, by the way. Um, the funny thing was, is I'm fairly certain in this video, I did not go back and watch it, but I'm fairly certain that I did not use any Festool in any of these five joints. It was like a rabbit, 
um, a, I don't know, just weird different things, right? <laughs> this is the comment. Best tools and the rest of the equipment is not exactly beginner's stuff unless you were born with a golden spoon in your mouth. <laughs> That's not even the saying. That's not even the saying. <laughs> I All guess, this person I guess, saw. You know, if we were born with a plastic spoon in our mouth, Jason Bent. All this person saw. The only thing that this person saw was the tools in the background. Because I promise <laughs> you right now, I did not use those in this video. All right, here's the last one. Here we go. This was on my uh, on my blade comparison video okay. um, when I was cutting melamine. Yeah, yeah. Which I used Festool blades and not Festool mm -hmm. blades. This person says, Festool blades are overpriced rubbish. They blunt after a couple of cuts. Aftermarket cheap blades are the way to go. A, one quarter the price, better cuts and longevity. I don't... Thanks. Thanks, buddy. Some people, man. Yeah, that's Ooh. right, because Festool, which is a global company, they're going to they're gonna put out products that only last a couple cuts. Yeah. Because that makes sense. There. Oh, yeah. Ben, is there any new patrons to, to talk about? I'm going to do that in the pre-roll. Oh, my bad. Oh, okay. Oh, I think we have like 19 or 20 now, though, oh, don't man, we? we should have started with this. We had um, someone left us a review on Apple Podcasts. Paul Cipriano. I, I, I wanted to. I saw it. I, I read it, and I loved it. I wanted to call him out at the very beginning. I totally forgot about it. Um, do it in your, do it in your uh, pre-roll. Yeah, I will. I'll, I'll thank any new patrons. Paul's but, a um, good dude. Yeah, I, I think I'll, I'll put him in the, in the pre-roll, but I mean, obviously we're going to have this in the podcast, but Paul, you know, thank you so much for leaving that review. Um, mm -hmm. A very in-depth review too, so I really appreciate we it. Need, we need more it. people to do reviews. Yeah. Because it, it's been stagnant like eight, eight reviews for like two weeks now. Yeah. I'll, I'll I might go review. Should I go do a review? <laughs> yeah, you should. Here's a bias review. That. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about that weird bald guy. Oh, crap. I'm There's bald. two of you. There's two, there of, are you. two of us. Almost I mean, really three. There's three Almost of us. Three. One of us is just <laughs> holding on to it a little bit too long. I'm going to hold on to it for as long as I can. Give in, Jason. I'll, I'll have the horseshoe. Give in to your feelings. <laughs> um, cool. Well, let's yeah, wrap it up. At... Okay. All right. Oh, hold on. Before you do that, it's my opportunity to interrupt you during the closing. Um, what do you guys think about uh, – it's supposed to be my topic for the next episode, but what mm -hmm. if we maybe push that and the next episode we actually look at getting some questions from the audience for us to discuss? So like every five or six episodes we do a, a Q&A from our audience – Specifically, and we talk about multiple things just in a little bit shorter fashion. I think it, yeah, I think that'll be good for the next one. I think that'd be good. And then I still want the, I still want the topic after that. For episode seven. Yeah, man. Okay. Yeah, that's I'm fine. not skipping my topic. So one, one thing that that I thought of, um, 
Hang on, let's just let's just go and close it out, and then we can talk after. Okay. Yeah, let's let's close it out. Jason, love everybody. go and close this out. You want me to close it? Mm-hmm. Hey, everybody! Thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you want to support myself, Ben and Sedge, why you would want to uh, support either one of them, I don't really know. But if you want to support me uh, and everything that I do, feel free to go to the Green Suiters podcast over on Patreon and become one of the seventy-four tiers that we have over there with all the different options. Uh, it's a lot of good stuff, a lot of fun stuff over there. Uh, or you can follow myself at Vince Woodworking or Sedge at, hold on, give me 30 minutes to talk about everything Sedge does, uh, at Sedge Tool, at Festool Sedge, uh, Sedge Tool on YouTube, SedgeTool.com. Uh, what, what's, the, what's the podcast over there? Festool Shop Talk on Spotify. Festool Shop Talk on Spotify and Apple. I mean, literally, like, just type in Sedge, and you're going to get, like, nine trillion things. Cause, what? You know, ever. Whatever. And then Ben, um, and really, I don't, we don't really know anything about Ben. He kind of just came on the podcast at the last minute. But, <laughs> I just showed up. Like, hey, you got yeah. a random invite? I don't, I don't <laughs> oh know. Oh, my yeah. God. Ben Marshall Designs on Instagram. Ben Marshall Designs on YouTube. Yep. Uh, and also, uh, it's, what, what's your motorcycle one, Ben? Adventures on Zero. Adventures on Zero over on YouTube. So um, thank you so much, everybody, for, for chiming in. And again, if you, if you guys listen to this podcast and you enjoy it, please just go over to – I have no idea if it even means anything, but everybody says that and everybody says that it works. So go over to YouTube, leave us a review. If it gets more people's eyes on this and share it. I, share I it with all your friends. Wherever you listen to this, leave a review. Yes. Whatever platform you listen to this on, leave yeah. a review. And share it. Share the podcast yeah. with your friends. Let them know that this exists because we are only doing this for you guys. Yeah. You know, we, we try to be, we try to extend the community because um, we all have seen the benefit or have heard the benefit of having a good podcast when you're in the shop or wherever you are. And uh, we just wanted to kind of keep that, that sense of community going. Because we obviously all three of us love woodworking, um, and yeah, we, we just want to kind of keep keep that those topics going. We want people to become better at what they want to do, and that's why we pick the topics that we do. We try to share the the wealth and knowledge. Yeah, and like Ben and I, we're like we're like that next step past a beginner, and then Sedge is like he basically taught every professional in the industry how to do things because he's so old yeah so we have a really good mix and we and we just have him around so that we can tap into the older to the boomer demographic oh my god so like people in their 70s and 